We are in week number four of a series called Truth in a World of Gray. Everyone say truth. Truth Truth in a World of Gray. And really the whole focus of this series is we're trying to get a grasp on what is absolute truth. Because as you and I both know, we live in a world where there's a lot of misinformation. Uh, We live in a world where it's, it's filled with fake news and we don't know what to believe. And so we're talking about eternity. Our lives are at stake. So we want to know what is absolute truth. So we've been spending several weeks in the series. We're probably going to spend one more after today trying to get a grasp on what is absolute truth. Truth in a world of gray. I want you to go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. If you have your Bibles, I want to give you a chance to get there. Um, so go ahead and be turning. If you do not have your Bibles, you, you may have an electronic device, uh, cell phone, smartphone. Uh, hopefully you've downloaded the YouVersion Bible app or some other sort of um, digital format of God's Word that you can pull that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to get familiar with the Word of God because as we talked last week, the Bible can be trusted, right? It is the, it is the source for, for truth. It, it testifies of, of God's goodness and God's truth. And so we want to get familiar with it. If we want to know the truth, we've got to read the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, we're going to start at verse number 1, which is always a good place to start when you read a chapter. I appreciate the pity snickers that I just got. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. All right, here we go. Are you there? The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and he says this, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news. Everyone say good news. Your your version may say gospel. Gospel, good news, it's the same thing. That I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. Verse number two. It is this what? Say this with me. It is this good news that saves you. It is this good news that saves you. It is this gospel that saves you. Remember what Paul said, and I believe it's Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of what? The gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God into salvation. And here he's saying, it's this gospel, this good news that saves you. If, everybody say if, if you continue to believe the message that I told you. It is the gospel that saves you. It's the good news that saves you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I want you to look at this again. It's the good news that saves you if you continue to believe this message that I've told you before. If, or excuse me, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. This morning I want to speak to you on the topic of the true gospel. The true gospel or the true good news. Let's pray this morning that God would open our hearts to receive His Word today. Father, we thank You again for this time that we can come into uh, this place of worship, Lord, to sing songs about You, to, to collect our hearts and minds, to focus upon You and Your goodness and Your beauty. And uh, Lord, your, your Lordship and how You've saved us and how You've done so much for us. God, the focus this morning is on You. God, as we uh, get ready to move forth and forward into this message today, God, our focus is on the Word of God because Your Word is what changes us. Your Word is what brings us hope. Your Word is what heals us. And Lord, we just ask that You would open our hearts to receive from You today the truth 
of the good news, Lord, the, the absolute truth, God, so that we would not be deceived, we would not be um, misguided in any area of our lives, but we would know the truth. And as your word says, that truth would set us free. God, I just pray that you would just guard my mouth today that nothing comes out that's not from you and that you would grow us to be more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen. The true gospel. My fear today is, and I think a lot of you probably have this fear, and I know that's probably not the right word to say because we're not supposed to, to fear. My concern today is that there are a lot of people, professing Christians included, who have never heard the true gospel. Who have never heard the true good news. They've heard a good news. They've heard some good news that they thought, man, this is cool. I like this. I want some of this. But they haven't heard the true gospel. And if you've never heard the true gospel, then you've never believed the true gospel. Because you can't believe the true gospel without first hearing the true gospel. And if you've never believed the true gospel, listen, then you've never been saved. You've never been born again. And so I want to get a grasp, and I know this, for some of you, this may sound very elementary. But my concern is this morning is, is even preachers and, and churches, maybe even unintentionally, are teaching a, a, a good news gospel, a good news message, but it's not the true good news. Maybe it's more about feel good. Maybe it's more about what can Jesus do in my life today? How can he make my life better? Maybe it's more of a, a self-improvement message and it's not the true gospel. So I want to show you this morning the true gospel and to get a grasp on the true gospel, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. 6,000 years ago, back when Pastor Jerry was just a baby. <laughs> 6,000 6, Years ago, I'm picking on. I just I just complimented you, so I gotta I gotta, I gotta bash you a little bit. But six thousand years ago, back in the beginning, we know the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Back when God created everything, everything was created by God, including you and me. We were created by God, and get this: everything that God created, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. It was whole. It was complete. There were no flaws. There was no blemishes. I mean, even Adam, the first man, and, and Eve, the first one, were perfect. There was no corruption. There were, was no corrupted creation. Everything he created was beautiful. Everything he created was created to last and live forever. To never die. Once again, including you and me. His creation was a habitat of paradise. It was perfect. He created a beautiful garden full of life. A garden full of all kinds of trees that was the source of nourishment for mankind. And there was really only one stipulation that God told Adam, the first human being, concerning life. He said, you can enjoy the fruit of every, you can, all of this is yours. You can enjoy all of paradise. There's just one stipulation. Don't eat from this tree in the middle of the garden. I think we all probably know this story, but I'm just kind of catching all of us up to, uh, so you'll know where I'm going with this. 
One stipulation, do not eat from this, this tree, this tree called the knowledge of good and evil. Matter of fact, let's just read it. Genesis chapter number two should be the very first book in your Bible. If it's not, you need to throw the Bible away that you have and get a different version. Genesis chapter two, verses 15 and 17 says, the Lord God placed the man, this is Adam, first man, in the garden of Eden, paradise, to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, what's this? He says, you can freely eat of the fruit of, of every tree in the garden, except, this is the stipulation, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now watch this. He tells him what the consequence is if he eats from this tree. There's, there are consequences for disobeying God. He says, if you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. He's telling Adam, Adam, if you do this, if you do what I'm telling you not to do, here's what's going to happen. You're going to die. And of course, all of us know what happened. He did what God told him not to do. His curiosity got the best of him. Adam disobeyed. Now, I don't know how long that it took between God's commandment of, of not eating from the forbidden tree and, and, and the time that he actually um, eight of it. I, I don't know how long that that took, but I do know that just by reading the very next chapter, we find his disobedience. Adam did what God told him not to do. Now, what did God tell Adam was going to happen if he did this? He told him he was going to die. And this, my friends, a lot of people have a lot of questions. How did all of this evil get here? Why is there death in the world? Why is there sin? Here's how it got here. Here is how death entered the world. There was no death in the world until Adam disobeyed God. And death would not be here today if it had not been for sin. Now, someone would have messed it up, whether it was Adam or not. Someone would eventually have messed it up. That's why we have death in our world today. And that's why there's, there, 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 there is evil Sin, this disobedience, which that's what sin is, it's disobedience against God's word. Sin brought death into the world. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 1, verse 15, it says that when sin is allowed to grow, when sin allows to grow, it gives birth to death. Sin brings death. Just say that with me. Say, sin brings death. It, 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 you may not see it immediately, even in the case of, of Adam and Eve. You didn't see a physical death immediately, right? You may not see it immediately, but ultimately, death is a result of sin. Listen to me carefully this morning. When you sin, you may not immediately see the effects or the consequences of your sin, but I'm here to tell you that when you sin, you are giving birth to death. Something begins dying the moment that you sin. Maybe it's your integrity. Maybe it's your confidence. Maybe it's your humility. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's other relationships. Something begins dying the moment that you sin because death is a result of sin. Sin gives birth to death. Now, once again, Adam and Eve, they didn't die immediately physically, but the dying process began. Not just for their physical bodies, watch this, but for all creation. I told you, God created everything perfect to live forever. 
But when they disobeyed, when they sinned, it brought death, not just for their physical bodies, but for all creation. That's how death entered the world. Why did this happen? Because Adam was the one who had a covenant with God. And when Adam disobeyed, it allowed sin and death to enter our world, which affected everything from that point forward. And it's through this, this first man's sin, or, or you could call it the original sin, that death and sin spread to everyone. Which means that everyone, listen, this is very important, no matter how good that you think that you are, no matter how good that you have lived your life, no matter how many good deeds that you have done, this is why everyone is born a sinner. Because death was a result of sin. It entered our world, and through this one man, Adam, and I'm going to read this to you here in a minute, sin spread to everyone. Because now, they're no longer perfect. They're no longer without spot or, or blemish. They're, they're, they're no longer holy. Now they've been corrupted. And so now, all of their offspring, you're taking two imperfect people. You can't make a perfect person with two imperfect people. Are, are you following me? I mean, from the very start, it's corrupt. So everything that comes after that is corrupt. We're born as sinners. Everyone is born a sinner. Everyone is born with a sin nature. If you don't believe me, just look at toddlers. Toddlers, I'm not just picking on your, your child if you have a, a toddler, but toddlers, by default, they're selfish. They're greedy. They're stingy. They got attitudes. They got anger issues. They know how to throw fits, right? You don't... You, you don't have to teach that. Now, I know some things they pick up from us, but, but even at an early age, they, 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 when you start to take their toys and share them with others, they don't like that. Where does that come from? It comes from their sinful nature. It doesn't matter how good, once again, that you think you are. You were born a sinner. A sinner is someone who falls short of God's standard for holiness. And the Bible says that without holiness, no one is going to see God. We have all been disqualified. Every one of us. We're all sinners because of Adam. Well, pastor, not me. I'm a good person. I do all sorts of good things. I serve in all sorts of uh, charity organizations, nonprofit groups, and I do a lot of things. You know what? It doesn't matter. You inherited sin. Whether you wanted it or not, you inherited it. You were born a sinner. And the only way for that to change is if the penalty for your sin is paid. And you want to know what the penalty for sin is? You want to know what the payment for sin is? Death. Some, well, listen, please listen. Someone has to die to pay for your sins. And it can't just be anyone. It has to be someone who was not born a sinner. It has to be someone who has, who has lived a perfect life and met the standards for, for God's holiness. It can't, it can't be you, you or I. I can't die for my own sins. Why? Because I'm a sinner. I'm useless. I'm, I'm of no value. It's kind of like trying to uh, go to McDonald's and pay with Monopoly money. There's no value. You can't do that. So, if the wages of sin is death, that means someone has to die. And it can't just be anyone. It has to be someone who's lived a sinless life. 
It has to be a perfect sacrifice. One without spot or blemish or wrinkle. Read the Old Testament stories where they would sacrifice a lamb. It had to be perfect. A sinner can't pay for his own sins. He has nothing to pay with. He can't make enough money. He can't borrow enough money. He can't do enough good deeds. The required payment for sin is death. The death of a sinless person. And this, my friends, is where the good news comes in. This is where the true gospel comes in. Though God's standard for, for um, holiness was a sinless life, He didn't want anyone to be separated from Him. Though this is His standard. And, 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 and though Adam missed the mark, God still didn't want to be separated from His creation. So He sent His Son Jesus to the earth to do what you and I could never do. To pay the penalty for our sin. Now how did He do that? How did Jesus pay the penalty for my sin? If you're taking notes this morning, write these three things down. First of all, Jesus was born as a human without sin. Wait a second, Pastor. I thought you said a while ago that everyone who is born in this world is born a sinner. That's correct. Unless, of course... They don't have an earthly father. Unless, of course, they were conceived not by man, but by the Holy Spirit. Because sin gets passed from the earthly father to the child. Listen, I don't know if you've never put much emphasis on, or not, on this or not, but this is why the virgin birth is so important. Thank you for that one hand clap. I appreciate that. Somebody get her a goodie bag before she leaves. This is why the virgin birth is so important. Because if it had been a normal birth, once again, you're taking two imperfect people and trying to produce something that is, that is perfect. But Mary, now Mary wasn't perfect, but her seed, which is, which is where if there was going to be sin, it would have been passed from, from the earthly fathers by one man's sin, by Adam's sin, it gets passed to all generations, to everyone. But through this immaculate conception, through this, this virgin birth, through this conception of the Holy Spirit, the seed was not corrupt. And notice I said he was born a human. This is, this is very important. A lot of people say, well, Jesus was able to do what he did because he was, he was fully God. He, was, he took on the role of a human being. Because it was only as a human being that he could pay the price for human sin. That's why I believe it's in the book of Philippians, chapter number 2. It talks about he did not cling to his equality with God. He did not think of his equality with God as something to cling to. But he gave up those divine rights and took on the form of, 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 of us, an earthly garment, so that he could live a human life. So he was born as a human and without sin. Secondly, not only was Jesus born as a human without sin, but he lived a sinless life. Now it's one thing to be born without sin, Adam and Eve were born without sin, or God created them without sin, I should say. But we see that they, they went astray. Jesus was born as a human without sin, but if He would have sinned along the journey, He would have been disqualified as the perfect sacrifice. So Jesus not only was born without sin, He also lived a sinless life. How did He do this? 
through the power of the Holy Spirit who lived inside of him, Jesus was able to live this sinless life. How, Scott, how do you know that? Are you making this up? No, I, I, the Bible is the source of truth. So let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Turn there fast because I've got to move along. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest, speaking of, of Jesus who's entered heaven. This is after he has risen from the grave. He's conquered death, hell, uh, and the grave. Now he's seated at the right hand of God. He says, Jesus, the Son of God, let us now hold firmly to what we believe. Watch this, verse 15. This high priest of ours, he's speaking of Jesus, understands our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be a human being. Because, he understands this, because he faced all of the same temptations or testings as we do, yet he did not sin. He never sinned. Not only was he born without sin, but Jesus lived a sinless life. He had to do this. This is the only way that he could meet the qualifications, the requirements for God's standards of holiness. And that's without sinning. He never sinned. But here, here's, here's something interesting. Even though Jesus was born without sin, and even though he lived a sinless life, just those two things had no effect on our life. It, it helped us none. We were still doomed. Because we, we still had to pay the ultimate penalty. We still had to pay for our sins, which is death. The wages of sin is death. But the payment for sin is, is death. So we were still doomed. Even if Jesus would have been born without sin, or he was born without sin, and lived a sinless life, just those two things was not enough for you and I. We were still doomed. There was still no hope of being reconciled with God. There was still no hope of eternal life. There was no way that you and I could pay the penalty for our sin unless, of course, someone who could pay it, paid it for us. I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's okay. So, watch this. So, as the, as the, as the, listen, as the perfect, sinless sacrifice, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin. Which is the third point here. Jesus died in our place to pay our penalty. So I know some of you are like, yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't think you really grasp the magnitude of this. You and I were doomed. All of humanity was doomed. Because none of us met the requirements for God's holiness. We weren't perfect. But yet Jesus, God in the flesh, took on a, fle a human form so that He could go through the same testings as you and I go through and pass. And he was born without sin and lived a sinless life. And then ultimately, he died in our place to pay for our penalty. This, this verse right here summarizes it best. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ, here's another verse that proves what I just said about a sinless life, who never sinned, God made him to be the offering for our sin. Why did he do that? So that we could be made right with God through what Jesus did for us. Man, man. See, 
See, you can, you can tell that we don't really understand the magnitude of that just by the way that we just like, oh yeah, that's cool. That Jesus, God made Jesus who had never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be reconnected with God. Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe to make possible a way for us to be made right with God and have eternal life. I remember growing up, and I, I don't remember the person that would sing this. We used to have special singing at our church Sunday nights where someone just, anyone, it really didn't matter if they could carry a tune or not, they could grab a microphone and sing. But they sung this song, um, He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And it was Jesus. He paid a debt he didn't owe. We owed a debt that we could never pay, but Jesus Paid it for us. So now because of what He has done for us, we have an option. Listen. We have an option. A lot of times people say, oh, thank you, Jesus. But they miss the rest of this story. We have an option. Just because He has done that for us doesn't automatically change our, change our sin nature to the nature of God, the nature of Christ. That, that we have an option. The option is we can pay for our own sins by going to hell and being eternally separated from God or we can accept the free gift that God has given to us in His Son, Jesus. The choice is ours. The choice is ours. I've, I've, I've referenced this. Let's just go ahead and read it. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin, the, the payment for sin. Here's what you get when you sin. The wages of sin is death. That word death is, is more than just physical death. It's, it's spiritual. It's eternal separation from God. The wages of sin is death, but I like, I almost said big butts, but that, 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 I like, forgive me, Lord. Okay, that wasn't from God. I'll admit, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, let's focus. But the free gift, I like free gifts. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The fact that it says eternal life, that's, that's contrasting what death represents. Okay, sin represents eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God through Christ Jesus is eternal life. Listen, God has made a provision for us. He has set before us life and death. The same way that He set before Adam life and death. Remember the two trees in the middle of the garden? The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the tree of death. Because when they partook of that, immediately their eyes were open, knowing good and evil. God never intended for man to know good and evil. He wanted them to just trust in Him and eat from His life source. Life or death. One led to life, the other led to death. And Adam chose to be his own God. To determine for himself what was right and wrong. What was sin, what was righteous. What, what, was, what was fair, what was unfair. What was just, what was unjust. The same way that many people choose today. They want to be their own gods. They want to choose for the... Well, I'll determine whether or not that's right or that's wrong. I don't see anything wrong with it. Relative truth, right? We talked about it week number one. Well, yeah, that may have been wrong several years ago, but today we live in a different time. We live in a different culture that's, that's, no longer, that's no longer wrong. It's right today. We've become our own gods. We determine for ourselves what's right and what's wrong. And Adam chose to 
make that determination for himself. And when he did, his choice brought sin and death to our world, which has passed down to every human being. But God so loved the world, so loved the world, that he gave his only son, Jesus. That if anyone would just believe in him, they would not perish. They would not be eternally separated from God, but they would have everlasting life. This is the true gospel. This is the good news. The true gospel this morning is all about Jesus and what he has done for us. Just say that way. Say, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his goodness. It's all about his grace. It's all about his amazing grace. But listen, even though that's an awesome hymn, you can't sing amazing grace if you don't know what Jesus has done for you. It has no meaning to you at all. It's just amazing grace, how sweet. There's no meaning. But, but when you truly know that you were destined to hell, you were going to be eternally separated from God, but Jesus took your place and died in, in your place and paid the penalty for your sins so that you could have eternal life, then it, then it becomes a whole different thing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I mean, it's, a, it's sung with, with doodads, whatever that, I, I mean, you know, the goosebumps. <laughs> because you're thankful for what Jesus has done for you. Real quickly, I'm, I want to move through this pretty quickly. I, I want to read to you, if someone wants to know the true good news of what I just preached, I want to read this passage of Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19, because this is the good news summarized. This is what I just spoke to you for the last 30 minutes. This is what I just said summarized. And I know what you're thinking. Well, why didn't you just read that? You could have spared us like 30 minutes. Because you like to hear me preach. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Watch this. See if you don't recognize what I just preached to you. Here we go. Verse 12. When Adam sinned, who was Adam? He was the first human being created perfect by God. When he sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it wasn't counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. Everyone is paying the price for Adam's disobedience. Everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. He's talking about the gap or the time when there was not even a law given. Okay? He said people still die. Even those, watch this, because you're sitting there thinking, well, not me, I'm a good person. I've never sinned. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God. They still died, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of this one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty 
of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness, right standing with God. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life. New life. Born again. Watch this. Verse number 19. Here's here's the last verse. Because one person, Adam, disobeyed God, many became sinners. But here's the good news. Here's the true gospel. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. That's, can, can we give God praise for what He's done for us? That's, that's the true gospel summarized. Listen, the good news is not that Jesus came to make us happy. The good news is not that Jesus came to give us a better life. The good news is that Jesus came to give us eternal life. It's all about Jesus and what He has done for us. We've got to stop making it about us. We've got to stop making it about our feelings and the life that we think that we deserve. We've got to stop making it about our good deeds. None of those things save us. Only Jesus. You know, I believe that, that we live in a time, and this is my concern, we live in a time today where, where, where churches and preachers are teaching the gospel as, as more of life coaching. It's, it's like life coaching. That's what we think the gospel is. The good news is, is life coaching. Jesus wants to make my life better. And we preach about, you know, here's, here's five steps to a, to a good life. And we preach about, here, here's how you uh, can prosper. Here, here's how to have a good marriage. Here's how to have financial security. Here's how to be blessed in this area. And, and, and I believe that God wants to do those things for us, okay? I believe those things can help us, that God will help us in those areas. But the problem with these messages is that they're centered around us. They're they're centered around, oh, how can God make my life better? How can He help my marriage? How can He help my relationship? How can He give me more money? How can He promote me and give me a better job? The focus is us. And that's not the true gospel. The true gospel is, is solely centered around Jesus and what He's done for you. It's can I just say it's not about your happiness. It's not about what kind of mood you're in. Well, if I'm in a good mood, then I want it. No, it's not about those. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. The real gospel is centered around Christ. Watch this. And it demands something from us. There's a lot of gospel, a lot of good news that's being taught today that doesn't demand anything from people. But the gospel, the true gospel, demands something. It demands repentance. Because if we never repent, we remain sinners. Listen, and sinners go to hell. Now, I know that's not politically correct, but it's the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. It's, that's what happens. We're born as sinners. And, and if there's no change, if there's no repentance in it, and putting your faith in Jesus Christ, then we're still sinners. Who has to pay for our own sins in eternal damnation, hell. 
And if you've believed a message other than the true gospel that I'm teaching you this morning, that if you believe something other than the fact that I was born a sinner, I could never pay for that, but yet Jesus come and did what I could not do, and I've put my faith and trust in Him. If you've believed anything different, you've believed the wrong message, and you're not saved. And that's concerning to me. I'm going to show you this last passage and I'll, I'll close with this. Galatians chapter number 1. And there's so much. If you, if, you go, if you have any sort of Bible program, I'd encourage you to go home and just search for either the two words good news or gospel. And just look at all of the passages in Scripture about that. Here is one. Galatians 1 chapter 6 verse 10. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church of, of Galatia. And he says this. He says, I am I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to Himself. How did, he, how did He reconcile you to Himself? Through the loving mercy of Jesus Christ. He, watch this. He says, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But is not the good news at all. Oh, it's a good news, but it's not the good news. You are, watch this, this is so fitting to our series. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. And these are some powerful words that he's about to say. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us. He's saying, including me. Or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one that we have preached to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one that you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Paul is saying, I am shocked. What, what's happening? You, you guys are starting to believe things that, that people have twisted the truth about Jesus. You're believing this gospel that's not the real gospel. You're, you're believing in this self-improvement gospel. You're believing this gospel that promotes happiness and prosperity and blessings. And don't get me wrong, God will do those things. But that's not what it's about. Because if it's based on those things, then we're letting our feelings dictate uh, what, how, how we feel and when we're going to worship God. Well, I worship God today because I feel good. God, thank you. You're, man, I just feel good. There's money in my account. God, you're so good. You know what? God is good to you regardless of how you feel. God's goodness supersedes any of your emotions or any of your feelings. He's worthy of our praise. My question is, in closing this morning, is have you believed the true gospel? Have you believed the true gospel? Have you believed the true good news? Not a pretend one, but the real one. Do you understand this morning what Jesus did for you? Do you understand this morning what Jesus did to save you? Do you understand that it was your sin that put Him on the cross? What's this. Because if you understand that, you make it a point to stop sinning. Scott, you could have just ended a while ago when you were reading some good stuff to us. No, no, no. I have to talk about this. If you truly understand what Jesus has done for you, you make it a point to stop sinning. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect and live sinless the rest of your life. No, no, we're still going to mess up. But you make it a point. You make it a goal. You make it a desire to stop sinning. You make it a desire to stop doing the things that put Jesus on the cross. You make it a point to pursue holiness and to please the Lord. 
That's what happens when you realize what you've been saved from. You make it a point to stop sinning. And this morning, I believe that there are people today, even in this room, there are people who will watch this online, no doubt, but there are people that are in this room today who've believed a different gospel. Maybe you believe that you could just invite Jesus to come into your life and just come along with you and, and, and never change your way of living. And I'm going to say something that's probably going to offend you. That, that's okay. Truth hurts. If that is the gospel that you believe, that you can just invite Jesus, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and just come, come hang with me and come along and never change your way of living, that is an insult to what Jesus went through for you. What an insult. He bled and died, was beaten for our transgressions, for our sins. And yet we think that we can make a mockery and just continue to sin and never change our life? My goodness. What an insult. Maybe there's people that are here this morning and you believe a message that says, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'm going to go to heaven. Once again, you, you can't do enough good. You, from the get-go, you're disqualified. You were born a sinner. There is none righteous. No, not one. None of us are good enough. Believing the true gospel, however, will lead you to a life of gratitude for what He's done and a heart to pursue His truth. I'm here to tell you, I know I said I'm closing like five times now, which I'm probably falling back to my Pentecostal roots. But if, if you can't worship God, I mean, when we're singing songs about uh, you know, how good that He is and shout to the Lord, He's created everything, the, the, the oceans roar and the mountains bow down to Him. If, if you can't worship God when we sing that, I, I'm going to just say that you're probably not saved. Scott, you're not my judge. You're right. But I know that if you truly understand what Jesus has done for you, you man, you can't help but just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And when, you're, when that is your new perspective, when that is your new identity, it doesn't matter what kind of ups and downs and hills and valleys you walk through in life. Because you understand that this life is only temporary. But God has saved you and redeemed you so that you can live forever because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I ask our, 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 our pastoral team just to come to the front and, and just prepare to receive people. And, and as I pray this morning, I, I, the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning is, is what Pastor Scott preached today, is, the, is that the gospel that I've believed? Is that truly the good news that that I'm leaning on, or, or if I believe something different, if I bought into the fact that, that Jesus just wants to make my life better, that Jesus just wants to come and give me peace, I want you to begin to ask yourself that question this morning as I pray. Father, I thank You so much, God, for Your goodness. I thank You, God, for what You have done for us. God, Your Word says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, I know all of us, including myself, from time to time, I take your sacrifice for granted. I, I forget the price that you paid so that I could have eternal life. Forgive me, Lord, 
Forgive me for forgetting. And help me to always remember what you have done for us. It's the finished work of the cross. It's it's the price that you paid for us that gives us hope. And I pray that for all of us who've put our faith and trust in you, God, that you would help us to always remember it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that we could truly sing amazing grace from from not just our our mouth, God, but from our heart. Lord, out out of our belly, Lord, will will flow these rivers of living water because we know what you've done for us. And God, my prayer is this morning, if there is one person that's in this room today who's believed anything different than what I've preached today, that they would realize that they are still a sinner in need of a Savior. And that they would repent and ask You, Lord, to come into their life to forgive them of their sins and make a vow to live for You and obey Your commands. In Jesus' name. We're going to take about five minutes to 